I think the core of how I understand happiness is it's not an end goal. Like that's that's it. If if we're to put it as simple as I can, and in a sentence, it is not a destination that you're getting to. You're you're kind of going to arrive at in forty years time when you've got the house and the car and all of that stuff. Live life with no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just incredibly lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be who I want to be. Every single thing happens for a reason. I'm grateful to have legs. Hello and welcome back to the Building Happiness Podcast. Now today I'm joined with Ryan, who's a management science student. He was the vice president of Enactus and he has his own podcast called the 2% Podcast, which is all about living life as your best self. Now, Ryan, would you be able to tell us a little bit of information about what inspired you to create that podcast? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Ryan, a management science finalist here at Loughborough. And, um, yeah, I'm co-host of the 2% podcast, which I run with my co-host, Joshua Garwood. Uh, we started it during our placement years. So it was a, a time where we were kind of figuring out what we wanted to do alongside our jobs, I suppose. And we were thinking about different businesses we could start, what we wanted to do, and a few things like that. And so we thought, well, we can't really start a business just yet. Like we were thinking that's that's too much. That's that's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. But what we could do is start a podcast and we could um speak to people who were living their lives to the fullest. And it's called the 2% podcast because it follows this idea that 2% of people are living their lives to the fullest. They are the ones who are happy. They are the ones who are killing it. They're thriving in their lives. And everyone else out of that 100 are not hitting that. And that is a concept, an idea that was coined by a guy called Andy Cope, who is the doctor of happiness, as he is known, um, also a Loughborough alumni um who has gone on to create a company called um art of brilliance and what art of brill do is go into schools and companies and work to create happier workplaces happier schools they work on uh well-being workshops and the like and so we were really inspired by andy and we took that concept with that idea and said well look why is that why is that so low why is two percent that number that's such a low number Really, it should be higher. And what we wanted to do was say, well, how can we become a 2% ourselves? And how can we inspire others to be a 2%? And I kind of matched that together. And so we thought, actually, the best medium for that is a podcast. And that's how it started. And so that was February, I think, uh, 2019, so last year. So we're just over a year old, um, a year and a few months. So, yeah, time, time's flown by quickly, actually. And, um, yeah, no pleasure to, pleasure to be on. Oh, no, that's good. It's really good. I was actually a guest on the two percent podcast as well. It you were, really, of course, you were. Season God, three, three I think. maybe. I think three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a really good experience. Really good, good questions I asked on there, and I definitely say go check it out because it is it's a really interesting. Thing. But I was going to ask, what would you, what have been your kind of main takeaways over the past year that contribute to living this two percent life? Mm. It's a great question, actually, because. The core elements of being a two percenter are the same across the board, but they're not always recognizable in everyone in the same way. And what I mean by that is so qualities of a two percenter are things like enjoying being out of your comfort zone, actively seeking experiences that are new and different, um, 
being more accepting of the present moment and of the way that other people are and the things that you can and can't control in order to let those go and focus on what you can control and, and things like that. But I think there's probably a couple of traits or characters, character traits or kind of things that are more noticeable across the different guests that we've had across the God, like 20, 30 episodes, how many we've done now over the last year. I think one of them is probably adventure and this kind of idea that you're chasing something that makes you happy and uh, kind of energizes you and you're kind of chasing that. It's that kind of raw grit, that kind of running at it and seeing what's going to happen type adventure. And I'd and I put into that kind of um, a bit of, coping with risk and a little bit of um kind of just passion and I'd, yeah i'd sum it up as adventure i think that's a really powerful kind of trait that that we notice yeah that's, that's really interesting because I've, I've never actually heard someone summarize happiness as someone who looks for adventure who's curious to mm. just do more and is going in kind of it sounds like they're going in head first like just they're really excited and passionate yeah but it's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think because what we find is that the general happiness of our guests or the people who are trying to become two percenters, not all of our guests are two percenters. It's not something we kind of worry about too much. We just want to talk to people who are trying to get that and trying to um, you know, upskill themselves or change the way that they're living in order to be more fulfilled, right? And... I think, yeah, we definitely noticed that they create something that fits what they want rather than always settle for something that is close to that. I think that's definitely a theme um, because we've spoken to people who are, and that's not necessarily everyone's entrepreneurs, by the way, that's people who are finding experiences that make them happy or finding projects or people that energize them in a way that makes them happier and more fulfilled on a more personal kind of level. Mm that's really good that's good advice um how would you say your experience of being around these people and your personal kind of experience with just life generally has influenced you to try and strive for a two percenter yeah i mean as i said the origins of the podcast were from me and josh thinking this is something that we want to aspire to be ourselves a two percent or somebody who is more happy more fulfilled and you know more energized by the world around them and so that's kind of the origins of taking the idea and running with it in a podcast. And so it's definitely been a standout for me because I come out of every podcast recording and I'm happy, man. I'm gassed. I'm like, yep, that was great. I really enjoyed that chat. This was interesting. That was interesting. I really enjoyed this. And I come out super energized. And so what that says to me is that, look, you need to do more of this. And that's why we're still going a year later. That's why we're <laughs> trying to up-level up it and take it to the next level and continue it after uni and everything else. Um, because it was and is a great experience each time and it's different. Um, I think also the kind of mindfulness stuff of kind of taking time to myself, taking time to practice meditation, which is something I've been doing a lot more over the last few months. Um and kind of being more present, that kind of side of it is definitely something that um, I think I've focused on more as a result of 2%, whether that be because I'm powered more by what I'm grateful for 
rather than what I don't have in a materialistic kind of sense, maybe, or that kind of thing. So I think there's definitely an element of perspective and working out what it is you want and just going for it. Um, and even if you don't know what that is, just trying to find it. I think that's definitely where I am now compared to where I was this time a year ago type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. And the kind of root of all this is essentially what this podcast is about, what everyone's trying to strive for, which is happiness. Mm. Now, if you were to define happiness in your own terms, how would you put a label on it? Mm. Yeah, I think the key for me there is that in your own terms, like it is different for everyone. Um, I think the core of how I understand happiness is it's not an end goal like that's that's it if if we're to put it as simple as i can and in a sentence it is not a destination that you're getting to you're you're kind of going to arrive at in 40 years time when you've got the house and the car and all of that stuff i think that's tied to materialism in a way but i think it's not an end goal you're not just going to arrive and be happy one day i think it's something you need to work on yes it's an emotion it's a state of being but it's also something you can work on and cultivate and look to have continuously rather than something that you have more fleetingly Mm. when it's tied to an an emotional experience like if it's something that you know if you eat chocolate your your brain's going mad like you're happy in a way but you're not fulfilled and that's where you kind of come between the difference of fulfillment and happiness but yeah to summarize it quickly i think it's not an end goal it's a journey Mm. and you touched on that as well the difference between pleasure the, mm. in a lot of different kind of contexts they have it three stages pleasure passion and purpose and you went on purpose straight away so do you think that what you're doing through gratitude through mindfulness through perspective is you're trying to discover a purpose and do you believe you have one i don't believe that i have one that is kind of something I'm going to discover, but I haven't discovered yet that is kind of innate. I think it's something that you develop yourself and you find. Mm-hmm. And I think you do that by just trying things out. Like I never would have thought when I left school that I'd have come to uni and then just thought, Oh, let's start a podcast and kind of that sort of thing. But then actually once I've done that, that's been a really exciting and fulfilling experience for me. Right. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult one. I don't, I don't think that, I think it's important to be values driven and strive to live with what you find valuable and what you agree with and your moral compass and this and that. But I don't think we all have this kind of purpose that you discover per se. No, mm. no, I agree. I agree. I personally believe that my purpose is one to be happy and two to help other people to be happy it's not mm. something that like there was an or there was a moment where i discovered it and I, I realized this it was something that after slowly kind of just like working through life sure. it, just, yeah. it just kind of came about and i almost decided what i was gonna mm. have as my purpose like if i wanted to change that then i'm sure that i could mentally kind of just reinforce that in my own mind and just do you know what I mean? Like, even if I had a different experience like a couple of years yeah. ago, then, yeah, no, I see that, I see that. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's something that 
should change over time. Like if you decide on your purpose at age 15, age 21, age 30, and then that's it, you're set on that and it doesn't change. I mean, maybe that works, but for me, I think it has to be a, an adaptable kind of philosophy, right? Otherwise you're just doing the same thing again, 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 and again, and again. So yeah, I think you have to discover it, but then continue to adapt it and work out what it is that's best for you. And so for me there, what you just described rather than more of a, a kind of high level purpose is your kind of vision now. And that vision might change, but it is part of your purpose in, in that sense, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I do think it's a bit almost naive as well. Like I know this myself. So I've been very naive in the past. And I still am like, if I think, oh, this is my one purpose and this is what I'm going to do. Mm. I know for a fact that in a couple of years down the line, my mind's going to change. I'm going to be wanting to do something else. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just who we are. We don't, we yeah. can't stick to something for that long. But it is definitely interesting and it's something that I think needs to be thought about more generally in people that I see. Mm. Yeah, and that, that immediately brings me onto the kind of gap between yourself of where you are now and yourself of where you want to be and the gap between those things. The bigger it is, the more stressed you are, the more unhappy you are. I quite like that analogy. I can't remember who came up with it, but... I quite like that because it it attaches your personal happiness to something in the future. Mm. And as long as you do that, you're almost going to be just perpetually unhappy. That's very true. I mean, I've never heard that analogy before, like the kind of gaps thing, but it's very mm. true. Like, I I like that. I'm going to start using that now. <laughs> I've got no other credit for it because you don't know who it is. But yeah. uh, I'll, I'll try and find it. I think it's been <laughs> quoted a lot, actually. Yeah, I'm not sure who, who came up with that one. <laughs> it wasn't me that's for sure don't credit me ah, okay okay <laughs> <laughs> no but um okay so how do you kind of go about figuring out who the person that you want to be i think primarily it's through different experiences experiences and people i think so experiences trying different things knowing what it is that you enjoy don't enjoy find fulfilling don't find fulfilling people people that you're attracted to not in a physical sense in a sense of do you connect on mm. a mental level who are you energized when you're when you're around who challenges your ideas who do you kind of vibe with compared to people that kind of drain the energy out of the room or kind of just are not contributing in that way and that's not a sense of you have to pick your friends it's just a case of you have to know on a kind of intuitive level who mm. those people are um because then you can kind of hack that a little bit. Then you know who energizes you, who you're inspired by, who you want to spend more time with. And you can make that balance and you can figure out how that works. Yeah. So I think that I think those are quite important factors, definitely. I was gonna say, I can't lie, you're one of the people that I actually look up to inspired me. Like you had your podcast, and I was like, damn, this guy, like he's doing this. And we actually met an artist, and I was like, Oh, even when we talked on the podcast, I was just yeah, I was yeah. filled with energy, like you said, and it just made us passionate. I was just like, damn. That's powerful, man. Thank you. No, honestly, I, I think I've got a recording of me somewhere. I was walking towards your house to record the podcast. Mm. And I was like, honestly, man, I feel so good right now. I'm going to talk about something that I'm so yeah. passionate about with people who feel the same. Like it means so much when you can, when you have someone else to like look at and be like, yo, mm. you fill me with energy. Because when you when you have a life, 
with people that just draining your energy all the time, all the time, it takes such a big toll on you. And I didn't realize it so much until I went to uni. When, like you yeah. said, you open yourself up to new people, you see different people, you see mm. how different people are going on. And that experience lets you discover like a whole kind of new layer of who you are and who you actually want to be. Yeah, you do for sure. No, that means a lot, man. And that's exactly why I do the podcast still and we continue to develop it and work on it and have guests and work on it because that's exactly it. Like I I feel like that often after kind of every episode, you know, and that is something that is really exciting for me still, you know? So no, that means a lot, man. Thank you. No, it's it's genuinely so good. And I feel the same after all my podcast episodes. I'm like, I need to do more than this. Is it is it all right for us to upload more than once a week? Because honestly, if I could get like five, six episodes Mm. out of week, I I honestly would. It's it's such a good feeling just to sit and call and talk to someone about these kind of things. But I was gonna ask, has there been kind of any specific experiences in your life where you then realize something or you change the way that you look at life is anything that you could kind of pinpoint rather than just general thing or do you think it's more of a gradual process i'd say it's both i think it's a gradual process over time but for you there will of course always be kind of paradigm shifting moments almost like those key times that you remember you know memory is a very emotionally charged thing you'll remember stuff from your childhood and you're like that was key for me and you'll look back with that hindsight and think, damn, that had a real big impact on who I am now. And you won't realize it until you get to a few years later, a few years down the line. So, for, yeah, I mean, there's there's a few for me. I think most recently there was the first year. Sorry, that's my phone. There was a few, there was a few experiences for me, actually. And um, most recently, maybe on uh yeah it is mad like when you sit back and you reflect and you timeline things that have impacted you i think that's when you realize how many there are um Mm. because as i said it is a gradual process but then actually it can often be defined by certain moments quite often and in a short space of time um yeah so I, i remember back in school there were a lot of times when I wanted to do something and I didn't, or I I had the opportunity to do something and I did, you know, different uh, exchange programs, different just little moments in the playground as well, something someone said to you, or um, I remember a, a sick form when I was, uh, I ran for head boy and I didn't get it. And that was uh, a big rejection at the time because it was just like, I, I wanted something and I didn't get it. And it was kind of one of the first, bigger-ish moments that that hadn't happened for me. Um, And then I look back now and I think, actually, that didn't really matter in the sense that I thought it did at the time, right? Um, But then equally, there have been moments since. So in in first year of Freshers uh, to hop back to Inaptis, we did, uh, we came top five in the country for the first time for Loughborough. And that was a really powerful time because we put in so much effort into our presentation. We'd put in so much hours and effort and that, that whole year was just crazy. And then to have that rewarded and given back to us in a way of, I suppose the judges and the inactive teams and everyone else voting and saying, yes, well done. 
you did it and especially i think because there were a lot of larger universities the kind of incumbents of of inaptus at the time nottingham sheffield southampton um and others like we beat them well not all of them we didn't win but we beat them to get to, to get to that top five level for the first time and that was super gratifying and, and i remember there's one moment when they announced that and we were together as a team and it was just like we were screaming and it was just amazing and so there's moments like that definitely um i remember visiting the grand canyon in 2017 on holiday that was a, a huge privilege and the first time i saw that that was pretty incredible mm. like just seeing something so vast and awesome in sense of the word or like truly is incredible almost speechless really um i think it's always been those things that put whatever experience you're going through in perspective um like i remember in in 2017 uh, my mum had breast cancer and the moment that she sat us down to say that and reveal that uh that was at the time a massive hit but we look back now, or I, or I look back now, and I see that experience as something that has brought us closer as a family. That's how I'm kind of looking at it, you know? Mm. Um, and so I think you have a few things. You have emotional moments and you have hindsight that combine together over time to build up a picture of how you see what your happiness looks like. Oh. And so you just kind of build along those moments and they combine to see that perspective that you kind of carry with you all the time. Yeah. That's powerful. That's, that's deep. I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. As well, by the way. No, thank you. And uh, yeah, no, she recovered from, uh, from that. So uh, that was uh, as positive as it could be. And uh, yeah, now we go on. Um, but no, it is. And I think there is a sense of, one's personal happiness being quite profound, right? Because what you're talking about is not something that is just fleeting. You're talking about being happy and being fulfilled. And so there is a sense of, it's quite a, a profound kind of stoic, kind of high level conversation that you have with yourself to work out what that looks like. It is, it's deep, but I, I, I haven't even figured it all out personally myself. I mean, I am very happy. I love my life even though I go through difficult times like other people, I see them differently and I react differently. And I am mm. often a lot more happy than the people that I see around me. And there is a sense of like, the, I can pinpoint things which is like, I'm going to be happier in this situation than someone else because of X, Y, and Z, because I'm grateful, because I've got perspective, because of different experiences sure. I've been through. Yeah. So there is like an actual physical part of happiness where it's like, it's in our control. And it is something that we completely decide. But on the flip side, there is a certain side to it, which is just like, you can't really define fully what happiness is. It's something mm. that's very personal. And For it, sure. yeah. at its start, it's your own personal journey. So it is difficult to even help teach or help people to understand what happiness is. Yeah, I think the key that I'd just add is that it's, and the things like what you're doing is, helping people to understand happiness but the end of that is for them because it is that kind of uniqueness that i think is the most important idea of happiness because it is different for everyone and it will vary at different times throughout your life and your years and your days 
and that's okay. And the point of it is not to be happy all of the time. It's to accept the times when you're happy and accept the times when you're not and find that and work out how you deal with it. Hmm. I think. Yeah. Oh, that's good. How would you say that you kind of ground yourself in difficult times when things are going bad, when you don't feel good, when mm. sometimes you can't see that things are going to get better? What is it that you do to make yourself happy in that sense? Yeah, it's it's a really good question because I think for me, I think my habits and my kind of history i guess is geared towards being quite closed emotionally and so because of that my coping strategies when i'm stressed or when i'm sad or angry are geared towards being alone and coping by myself and so i will be you know alone in my room or i will go for a walk or i will kind of like i will often be alone or i'll just game for hours or watch tv mindlessly and that kind of thing and i will kind of cocoon myself up but what i've found to be beneficial is just saying uh to myself in those moments kind of noticing and having that kind of compassionate self-talk in a way that allows me to break away from that if possible but you're right it's not something that is always possible and no one is perfect at coping with their own stresses or or you know stimuli that make them sad or angry or whatever it is but i think that's where it comes back to self-forgiveness and and kind of treating yourself as your own best friend i think that's the most powerful way of putting it and again that's a journey that you know no one is going to have anything figured out on you just have to try and progress with it as far as you can because it is something that is unique and variable and different but it's something you can improve on bit by bit and the relationship with yourself can get better. And so mine definitely over the last two, three, five years has something that has changed a lot. But I think that's the other side of it is that this whole thing is not a long, it's not a short-term game. It's a very long-term game. Like the incremental progress happens over years, not days or weeks. And I think it's difficult to see that sometimes and see that way out of that immediate situation. And so anything that you can do to ground yourself and everyone will have their own strategies is something that's beneficial because it gives you that longer term perspective if you need it, or you might remember back to a situation where you came through and you had a worse situation than you're in now. Um, Yeah, so I, I definitely... Yeah, I think it's it's very unique. Like you have to work out what works for you, I think, in that way. Yeah. There's no one size fits all. <laughs> no, definitely not, definitely not. Now I do think it is obviously very different and unique, but the for me and for what I know works for a lot of people, is the key to a lot of happiness and just even just coping in difficult moments is monitoring self-talk. So mm. we all have self-talk, whether that's positive or negative but really understanding what is you're saying and why you're saying, and that's where reflection comes into it. It's just about mm. understanding, like, why are you talking to yourself the way that you are? Like, why are you saying these things about you? It could be good things or bad things, but it's important to question, like, pretty much everything. Like you said, people who live in the 2% life are curious, they're adventurous, and sometimes that doesn't mean necessarily going to want to go to a place, 
but it could be adventure within like curious about why do you do this why do you act like mm. this why do you cope with this this way so for me self-talk is like the kind of the main point and one of my friends has actually been really encouraging us to journal more mm. which is just about kind of just writing your thoughts do you do it uh yeah 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 <laughs> has it been effective for you yeah no it definitely has i mean i have uh one two three four books on my side there kind of notepads that i've journaled in over the past oh god when did i start properly kind of upper sixth lower sixth kind of time when i took because i'm quite a visual learner and a visual thinker anyway so i will always write things down or try and plan it out or whatever and i always use that as a kind of coping mechanism when i was having a breakdown or sad or whatever and so i would just brain dump all my thoughts on this page and then occasionally i'll go back and read it and be like god that's pretty sad like the kind of ramblings of of those moments but then actually what i did yeah about kind of lower safe time was decide to probably absolutely more so actually to consistently at least write entries into a journal of sorts and it's not it's not a diary it's not a bullet journal it's not kind of any one format it's just something that as often as i can i will try and write down what happened in a day and how i was feeling and who i spoke to and how that made me feel and those things like that that are very standard but actually will change a lot over time and also it's really interesting to go back and read how i reacted to certain situations and how i felt when that thing happened or when you know i met this person on that day or that conference or whatever and yeah so it it really has worked for me as as a method of kind of capturing a snapshot of myself at different times um but again i think it needs to be kind of cautious around that recommendation of our oh, journaling do that because that's not the thing it might not work for you you might try journaling and absolutely hate it and then never do it again after a week or a month or a year you know it's fine it's calm but it is one thing as you say that has proven to be beneficial for a fair number of people enough to make it a trend of sorts yeah and so i think that's where the kind of recommendations of how to be fulfilled how to be happy type thing uh need to be checked a little bit because it's not just gonna suddenly work for you you have to put in a lot to that practice and that work but yeah it's been great for me actually that's good man it's been it's been it's been a big thing for me as well i actually started journaling when i was in like in year 12 i think yeah. i had a little diary i would just write stuff in there and just looking back on it is an experience in itself like <laughs> yeah. I, i don't even care sometimes about like oh why well, i was feeling like a blah 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 if the mental benefits of doing it just being able to look back at time let's say looking at a picture but like so much better because it's your mm. honest thoughts and it tells you like genuinely what was going on i it's one of the most interesting things that i do for me and i would recommend it but like you said it's it's very kind of personal you've got to see why it is for you that works yeah. that's it yeah but yeah okay what we're going to do at the moment is just leave a podcast here we're going to be back in a second for a part two and we're going to continue then thanks so much for being on so far ryan and i'll see you soon great stuff nice one
Hello and welcome back to the Building Happiness Podcast. Now it's part two with Ryan. Now, Ryan, would you be able to tell us a little bit about kind of your achievements? Yeah, sure. So I have been very lucky and I guess rewarded a lot for hard work too. Um that I have won a lot of different awards across my my time, um, both academically and through kind of contributions to community work and things like that. Um, I'm very proud of my three uh, Jack Petchy Awards. Uh, Jack Petchy, uh, the Jack Petchy Foundation is a charity that works, I think, primarily around Essex and London um, to help young people and help them to achieve their potential. Um, and so I won one of those uh, with my school, my football team, and my local youth club for my involvement with all of those um, different communities. And so I'm very proud of those. Um, and I've always been a giver to the people around me, the communities around me. Um, and I'm very proud to kind of, you know, say in this kind of segment that I've won a lot of different things. Um, in my year leaving school uh, in sick form, I won the Governor's Award, which was a similar kind of theme, which was the Governor's School combined to select a student for their contribution to the uh, school community. Uh, so I went to my school for seven years from year seven to, to up sixth. Um, in 2017, I won the Loughborough Students' Union Award for Most Enterprising uh, for my contributions to the enterprise community, to, to Enactus and to uh, the enterprise department of, of the union and the university. Um, and then just recently, exclusive this yet, but why not? Uh, I've been awarded the Dean's Award for Corporate Social Responsibility by the School of Business and Economics. So there's loads of stuff. I'm sure there's others that I've forgotten, but I think the key for me is that I'm really pleased and proud of myself that, that I've got all these kind of accolades and achievements for, for my work um, and recognition in, you know, recognition for my efforts. And, and it does make me very, very proud when I think back, but they're not the sole reason why I do what I do. And I've done the things that I've done, whether that's helping people out or, or contributing to a school or, or, you know, kind of staying and doing special training sessions with footy or kind of back in the day, um, that kind of stuff. Like I would have done all of that anyway. And I did. And then it just so happens that the organization or the people involved gave me that, like, I've never been motivated by, right. I need to win that award because then it will get me, I don't know, something like an internship somewhere or, or like my CV. Like, I don't care about that. Um, so there's there's a bit of a kind of humility side to it. But yeah, I'm very pleased to have kind of been rewarded a lot and, and won a lot of different things. No, that's Corporate social responsibility, kind of running community groups, that, that sort of thing. Sorry, just cutting out a little bit there, but we've got majority of it, I think. And it, you're right, like, there there has to be some humility when it comes to kind of achieving big things. And a lot of people, when they get into stuff like that, they start winning awards and they start doing well. And like you said, you were doing kind of charity work, helping other people out, or helping youth club. Like, that's all great. But sometimes 
what happens is people get their self-worth wrapped up in those kind of things. Mm. And yeah. then to it can be a quite bad downward spiral from that point on if they don't yeah. kind of ground themselves and have their self-worth invested in other things. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. Like, there's nothing wrong, don't get me wrong, in being competitive and tired to winning. Like, I'm a competitive person by nature. Like, I will always want to win when there's a competition involved but nonetheless it's important especially in an individual level to kind of not check your ego but kind of acknowledge the role that that your ego has and kind of say that you know if you want something because you want to be seen as the guy winning it or something like that that's a bit more ego driven that's kind but just kind of acknowledge that that's the case i think um and then, yeah, I, th- I think it's important to be grounded. Like, I think that's kind of a running theme for me of trying to take things in my stride and move on and not kind of rest on my laurels too much as well um, and always strive for something more. Um, but that more isn't necessarily something that is just an accolade or the next award or the next thing. Like, I'm just as happy if I don't get any of these things that I have often achieved throughout my life at the different stages of my life like at school and then sixth form and then and then at uni um so much so that i think it's just part of who i am to be contributing towards wherever i am and then if i happen to be recognized or or achieve something that's a little bit different or um yeah, then then that's great, but that's not the sole reason is what I'm trying to get out with that. Yeah. That's good. That's good advice as well for people who are kind of chasing it because there is that kind of it links back to what you started off the, the podcast with, with that kind of destination happy mindset that mm. oh, I need that to be happy. And then when I have that, then I'll be happy. But like we know from like even personal experiences, that's just not the case. When you get something, that doesn't mean that you are now happy and your life is fine and dandy. It is about yeah like you said, grounding yourself. Yeah. And it, it's the same in business, right? Like if you are running a business or you're trying to set up a business, then for me, you should tie the success of that business to how well you feel you're doing with it, how well your clients think you're doing, how your customers are engaging with you, not necessarily how many you have or how much you've turned over or um, whether you were Forbes 30 under 30 as an individual, like that stuff is secondary to me mm. when you're considering that kind of stuff. So I think it's a, it's a running theme that as long as you're doing things according to that principle that, that you hold. So for me, that is having that stuff secondary. If it's for you first, that's calm. That's, that's for you. Um, but as long as you're honest with yourself about it, I think it's fine. Good. I agree. I agree. And it's a nice kind of movement into business. Now you said you awarded the most enterprising in, by the Luftwaffe Students Union. Mm-hmm. And I know, like I said, you're in, in Actus, um, you're vice president, am I right? Was, yeah. yeah. And um, you are quite an entrepreneurial guy. So what is it about entrepreneurship that kind of excites you? Why is, why is it that you get involved in those kind of things? Yeah, I think... For me, so in, in Aptos was very much driven by finding like-minded people and really enjoying that space and then discovering the time um, 
the kind of enjoyment that I had of giving back to the community again mm-hmm. at university that was my kind of outlet for that and then I had the combined thing of having a group of students who were super engaged and enjoying the work we were doing the projects that we were creating which help uh, the Loughborough community and the wider community that I was like, yeah, this is, this is me. This is my people, my kind of, you know, it comes back to that kind of find your tribe type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of the social entrepreneurship type stuff. Um, for me, being an entrepreneur and I'm not one, let me get that clear. Uh, but being enterprising, cultivating your entrepreneurial mindset, that kind of thing is really interesting for me because it's about assuming control and I think it comes back to that 2% stuff as well. It's about assuming control over the life that you have. Um, and I think creating things, creating businesses um, is a fantastic way to do that, both for yourself and for your family and your friends and people around you. Um, but that's not necessarily to mean that gaining capital and money is the answer because it's not. But nonetheless, I think entrepreneurship can as a journey unlock lots of different paths and it allows you to assume control of your yourself and your life in a way that perhaps um working or um yeah other things kind of can't necessarily uh that's not saying one is better than the other because there's a massive debate there and massive conversations to be had there and again it's a very individual thing um, but for me, yeah, it comes back to giving yourself the tools to be able to thrive in, in, in any environment and entrepreneurship and running a business and understanding the challenges of managing a team and things like that is something that I would definitely say is something that anyone can apply to whatever they do, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. That's true. There's a lot of good kind of life skills that you learn when you're managing these small teams, when you're learning about different kind of things, research, and there's so much that goes yeah. into it. But what would be the kind of biggest takeaway that you got from working in? The biggest takeaway? um, uh, The one thing that I can take away from my experience being in and managing teams. I think probably... uh, yeah, probably man management. Um, and that's something that started as a skill or something that I was exposed to uh, being captain of a team, my local team, back in God, back in the day, whenever that was. Um, pretty young. And then coming into sick form, uh, I ran alongside uh, a couple of other guys, uh, the first debate society for my school. And then coming into uni with Enactus, there's very much a theme of if you meet people where they are and you are honest and you are human with them about where the business is at or the team is at or the challenges that you're facing and how they can help you solve the problem or they are valuable to making whatever it is happen or doing their job, whatever their job is, then you know, you bring that kind of empathy that I think is something that is so powerful because you can get so much more done by leading like that than 
in a more kind of crass hierarchical maybe kind of direct way i would very much rather flatten that and even if i'm the person in charge or the person who is in charge of budget or the person who's kind of got the responsibility however that's framed i'd rather just bring that in and share it and create a collaborative environment as a result of that as much as possible because that's where i thrive but that's where also i think the majority of people will do better because in a team like that you will have a group of people who are working towards a collective mission rather than you're doing that and you're doing that and you're doing that and it's not kind of tied into a broader picture of some kind so whether that's a football team trying to work towards winning a game or a trophy or just getting through the next 10 minutes and you're getting bombarded by a fat attack and you're like right we need to kind of absorb this up or however you're you're working, you know, if you're in a team and you're trying to make something happen, you've got a three month deadline and you're, you know, you're working on very limited budget. I'd rather just be honest about all of these different things and work with people as the situation is rather than kind of how we want it to be. I think, I think that's the the core takeaway. I think. That's really good advice. And as someone who's going to be on an Axe Committee next year, I'm definitely going to be putting that in place to you. Mm, yeah. So you actually ran your own house hack as well, which I was a part yes. of. Which, would you like to explain a little bit about what that actually was? Yeah, sure. So house hack uh, was and is a virtual hackathon event that my flatmate Charlie and I created uh, on the cuff a couple of weeks ago to try and engage some of the student communities, some of those enterprising minds out there, um, who, you know, in the lockdown, we're still in lockdown at the time of recording, uh, to bring people together and solve business problems, but not just in a kind of hackathon way where you've got some statement that's not real and some kind of, you know, social problem or fake problem that you're then solving and coming up with a proposal for, which a kind of business hackathon that I've been part of is, is similar to, but rather bring in real businesses and make it a kind of mishmash between a design sprint, a consulting challenge, and a hackathon, and make it where we bring businesses and students together, combine that, and then over about seven hours in an afternoon, um, through a few different work sessions, we will have students who will come together, network, have a great time, and then we'll have businesses who've come together with their problems to us. They've come, they said, right, I'm, I'm having this, I've got this because of coronavirus, whatever. Um, and then they come away from that with a list of recommendations of things to, to try or implement or a presentation from that group to, to consider. And so there's very much a, a move to try and um, create a, a bit of a movement, create an event where people can come together, have a great time, but also the businesses that take part can go away from that and can have something tangible and actionable that they can go away and, and try over the next few months as well. No, it was a really good idea. And I got involved myself. And I think it's a great way to spend quarantine when you're sitting at home, mm-hmm. not doing much at all. It's a great way to kind of, one, have that release, talk to new people, network, build some skills, actually make some impact and help people. That's a great thing for you to be able to even just, I don't know, like put on a CV. Like for me, I really enjoyed it. I worked on this guy who was wanted to know how he could get more sales in his business. And mm. so he gave us a detailed explanation of the business, what it was doing, how it was performing, where it's kind of, what what's current marketing strategy was. And then it asked us, 
And then we worked in a team of three. We developed what he currently has, came up with a few different new solutions. And it was really kind of rewarding at the end of it when we presented it to him, uh, just being able to actually give someone who's struggling in a business, give them advice and watch them implement that. But thanks yeah, again no, for like, kind of yeah. putting that up because it was really kind of beneficial for, I think, all parties involved. Oh, no worries. Yeah, no, exactly. And we had some great feedback um, from both participants and businesses that took part. And hopefully, you know, we'll continue to get those messages in a few months' time when the businesses are uh, continuing to implement those things. And uh, yeah, the next one is going to be on the 16th of May. And so, um, yeah, get in touch if you want to you be part of that or if your business is uh, something that is... Uh, you know, you've got problems and, and you want some some keen-eyed students to to have a look at it. Send Trust it me, it's worth it. Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> see what we can do. <laughs> no, definitely. I think I'm of the links for Brian's LinkedIn is going to be below. You can drop a message on there. That's all right. Yeah, for sure. And then sure. we can sort something off from there. But yeah, definitely get involved. But that is where we're going to end the podcast for today. Ryan, thank you so much for coming Perfect. on this. It's honestly been a pleasure to have you. It's, it's it's so good for us to return the favor as well for having you on my podcast and stuff. Yeah, no problem at all. It's been great. Like, yeah, great to chat sure you, and catch up for sure. Yeah. Make sure you check out um Ryan's podcast as well, which will be linked below. And that's it, honestly. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your experiences. But I'll catch no you guys. Hope it was useful for your listeners and uh oh, and it take definitely care. Will be. It definitely will be, trust me. But yeah. All right. All right see good you. stuff. Take care, man. Thanks. Thank you.